0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be with you on the beginning of this week of Monday, May the 11th, 2020. And uh, we hope and pray that you had a great weekend, especially uh, those of you who were able to to celebrate Mother's Day in one shape or form, to to honor our mothers. And, and we pray that it was a blessing and it was a, a blessed weekend. Especially for all the mothers, we are grateful our wives, our mothers uh, that are that sacrifice so much and, and do so much uh, for the family, and we are so grateful for the mothers and today we are excited to start this week fresh in the word of God uh, and, and that we can start fresh to study and see what God is saying. and as always, we are excited we're excited about what God has for us this week and about today's podcast. And it's always, as always, it's a pleasure and it's always an honor to be with the panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty. As always, it's good to open up the Word of God with both of you. And Brother Marty, we'll leave it here with you at this point.
1: Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back after a, a weekend of of a rest and spending time with uh, all the mamas out there. <laughs> My my yeah. mama over there in in, in Coachella Valley, and uh, got to talk to her, and then we went and visited um, my wife's mama, and it was just a good day. And and uh, we really focused yesterday on our Instagram live feed on the on on the Mother of God. I mean, that's what we talked about yesterday was the Mother of God, and, and the Lord really blessed. And I encourage you to go and uh and uh, and study the life of Mary, because um it, it's quite extraordinary i mean she gets a bad rap in the protestant church right because of what the catholics have done <laughs> to mary but but that, that, sure. but that still doesn't right that still doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't look at her life but uh, because that's who god chose to be his mother so so the lord gave us a message on that yesterday and then uh we were really blessed as we looked at her life <laughs> but we're, we're grateful to be here for another week and we're going to begin uh, our study this week <laughs> looking at Uh, last day things but in a very different and unique way and so we're going to begin uh our study this week and basically i'm not sure this is probably just a one day thing because we're headed into some things this week uh i think as the lord allows that are going to be really really uh profound and incredible and it's going to begin with this uh this week uh but jeremy uh, do you have your bible with you yes i do can you read to us the uh matthew 25 verse uh 14 uh, through uh, 19.
0: Yes. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And uh, and unto one he gave five talents to another two and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway Took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five, another five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the lord of those servants came. And reckoned with them
1: we're going to begin studying today uh, and, and a simple title is the faithful and the slothful servant there's two types of servants in this story that the Lord gives us and what we want to focus on and I think what we'll see here as I was talking to my brothers Fernando and Jeremy off the air today before we started We were going to begin a a study in a a certain direction today, but the Lord really got a hold of my heart this morning, and so I pray that it, it, uh, in in this direction, kind of turned my thoughts in a different direction. And so we're going to look at this and see what he says. Um, The first thing I want to talk to you about, really, is that, you know, today in the the modern church, uh, there's there's really a great debate going on between the meaning of, of of grace salvation works all these kinds of things and it has confused a whole bunch of people and has deceived a lot of other people as well there's this idea uh, amongst those who preach this hyper grace message for example that that uh you know they say that grace is is that where we wherein we rest and we cease from from all our works as it pertains to our relationship with God, that we don't really have to do anything. We come to the cross, we get saved. That's an act of God's grace. And then we hold on and lay there on the couch and eat potato chips till Jesus comes. Because God forbid, I would actually have to do something because that would be working against grace. Well, that's right. just false, but, right? <laughs> how, right. How people say it, right? In other words, what they say is that once we're saved, Absolutely nothing is required of us. As in, and then, and, and as in a matter of fact, if we ge- if we engage in what they call works, they say that brings us under the law, and that in in effect we're not really saved, or at least we're not in grace, right? So today, right. really, what I want to what I want to consider because I think this is what the Lord is revealing in this story, and and it's something that I've never heard preached out of this. But the Holy Spirit kind of began to open this up in a way to me that I had never really considered it before. So today I want to consider this thought and what we see in the Lord's parable of, of the talents that, that Brother Jeremy was just reading. First of all, we need to understand that this parable, which is very interesting, is part of uh, a long response that Jesus is giving to his disciples who asked him uh, what would be the sign of his coming in the end of the world. And so this story inserted in here is quite interesting to me because it comes on the heel of Matthew 25 as as the Lord is speaking in response to the question about last day in in time things Jesus coming back. He's just finished the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. And then he goes right into this and begins to to say in verse 14, he can you read verse 14
0: again brother Jeremy? Yes. It's, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods.
1: So first of all, we begin to see here that what the Lord is, is revealing that basically he, he's, he's going to go away, because that's really what the story means. It's talking about himself, that after he would rise from the dead, that there would be this long interim period where he would leave. And and he, he uses the term the far country. He's talking about heaven itself. And and then notice what he does in verse 14. It says that he calls his own servants. And so what we can establish by that is that, that this is post-resurrection. This is what he's talking about. I'm going to go away. But before I go away, I'm going to call my servants. So what we can establish by that is that these are not people that are, are not saved. They already belong to him, so they are saved. They're his servants. But notice what does he do? It says that he delivered unto them his goods. And in verse, uh, let's take a look here. In verse uh, 15, he goes on to say. It goes on to say that he he uh, he gave unto one five, unto one two, and to another he gave one. And to every man he gave according to his several abilities, and then he takes his journey. So what we what we first of all what we learn from this is that they're saved because they're his servants. He's telling them, I'm gonna go away for a long time. And then he says, But before I go away, I'm going to give or impart my goods to my servants, those that belong to me. And then he says that he gave to one guy he gives five talents to another, he gives two and to, to one, he just gave one, but he says he gave to them according to their ability, according to the ability that they that they possessed, to do something. and so some had greater ability than others, but notice all of them have the ability to do something, and he's expecting right. them to do something, right? So he okay. distributes according to their ability. And and really those goods, in a sense, are like the gifts of the Spirit, right? And, and the other uh, gifts that he gave, uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, that he ascended on high and he gave gifts unto men, right, for the work right. of, of the ministry. And so what I want to look at really quickly here is, is what is the reaction of the servants? How did they respond to him giving, uh, you know, these gifts to them? Let's look at verse 16. It says that he that had received the five talents, he went and traded with the same, and he made another five talents. He that had received two, he went and gained another two. But he that received one, he went and dug in the earth, and he hid his Lord's money. So let's look at the different servants' reaction here. In verse 16 and 17, our attention is drawn to two of the three. Uh, The one that had five and the one that had two talents given to him. The one with the five and the one with the two. Notice what their reaction is. Their reaction is as soon as they receive the gift that that the Lord entrusted them with and he goes away, immediately they get to work. Do you see that? Immediately they get to work. They begin doing something. They begin working. They begin producing it really shows a, an intense uh, excitement almost a, a joy a, a a desire first of all to react in obedience uh to to understand and you know what's interesting here is it says that it doesn't say that he gave them uh, the, the the five talents the two talents and the one talents and then gave them specific instruction as to what to do and you better go do this and better go do that uh so that cuz some people would say <laughs> He didn't tell them to do anything, but they went and did it and in the modern church today right. these the one with the five talents and the two talents they would be uh persecuted by the grace the hyper grace aspect of the church uh for actually going to do something right it's interesting right. it's interesting to me that that two of the three they didn't have to sit there and go to a classroom and attend a you know a c- co- a college course on on how to how to do something i mean <laughs> it just flowed out of them. They right. knew it was a natural reaction to the Lord departing was that they were going to go and reproduce. It was in them. It was it was natural to them, spiritually speaking, to take what God had given them and try and produce more. And And so we see their reaction. Immediately they get to work, right? But this guy in verse 18, the servant with the one talent, it says this. In verse 18, 25, 18, it says that he received, he didn't receive the one. He went and digged in the earth and he hid his Lord's money. Uh, Notice what he does. The servant gets to work, but he only does one thing. He buries it, (laughs) right? He digs it and he buries it. So. Now, let's just think about this for a minute. What's interesting to pay attention to, again, is is that this parable is about the last days. It's about the long period of time that he would be gone. But by the time we get to the end of this parable, you'll see when he returns, he returns as a king, and he returns to give reward. And so the fullness of the story is, I'm going to go away. I'm I'm giving you these gifts, and then when I come back, I'm going to expect something from you. And so the whole story needs to be understood like that. It's not just a story about doing or not doing. It's a story in relation to the second coming of the Lord. And so what's interesting are the kinds of attitudes that emerge amongst the servants in relation to the long period, and then it culminates with the coming of the Lord. And what's interesting is that when the Lord returns, which we'll get into in a second here, he begins to, to dissect and break apart the one person we're going to focus on, which is the guy with the one talent. See, it says in verse 19 that it was after a long time that the Lord of those servants comes and begins to call them to account, right? To reckon with them. It so it's a reckoning. And and at his second coming, there will be a reckoning. We see that what the Lord is teaching here is that he has an expectation of his servants. That's what he's saying. Look, I'm going to go away, and I'm not going to leave you without anything. I'm going to give you my goods. I'm going to impart to you the gifts of my spirit and, and all the other blessings that I'm going to leave with you. But notice when he returns in verse 19, he's expecting something. He wants to see what they've been up to while he's been gone. And so he brings them into account as to what they've been doing with the talents that he gave them. And really, in a sense, the talents are like the gift of faith, right? It's substance. It's the substance of things hoped for. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, brother, can you read in Romans chapter 14? Can you turn over there real quick? Because it's what we're witnessing here is, is the reaction of three different kinds of servants. The one, and what's really interesting is the one who does nothing is the one who is given the least, you know, and and you would think, so, so, so even, I mean, it's as if it's saying he really, you know, not much was expected of him, but something was. So as we go on and see how he reacts to it, it's very interesting because it reminds me a lot of today. Brother, are
0: you there in Romans?
1: Yes. 14, read 10 through 12 to us, would you? Yes.
0: But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou he not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself, god
1: so here we see even the great apostle paul reminds us the lord is going to return don't be worrying about what that guy's doing over there what you're doing over here you get to work yourself right don't judge your brother right. man you got to worry about yourself right. what are you doing he says in other words he's implying and they all like to preach out of this romans book right <laughs> in this book of romans <laughs> but 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 you know they don't like to talk about this kind of stuff because he says you're going to come before a judgment seat and you're going to have to give an account for what you did in the interim period. Did you do anything? Because the Lord is expecting something from you. This isn't just a, right. a Christian cruise all the way to glory. He he, he, right. <laughs> he expects you to do something. And that's why the Lord reveals in, in the last day parable that he's given here in chapter 25, right? Is that he comes back after a long time. And in verse 19, he says, he calls his servants to himself. That's the judgment seat, and he brings them into account. He he reckons with them. He wants to know what have you done? Now look, what we want to focus on today is this: uh, is that servant? Because we know the other two, right? The one with the five produced another five. The one with the two produced another two, uh and they're and they're blessed. They're they're actually complimented and told by the Lord, "Well done." Good and faithful servant, enter into the glory of your Lord. And, and, and the one with the two, he produced another two, and he's told by the Lord, you know, well done. Good and faithful servant, enter into the glory of your Lord. But when he comes to the one with the one talent, something begins to happen. And that's in verse 24. We're going to look at that in a second. I want to focus on him because I believe in this servant, we might have a, a, a hint of the kind of of hyper grace message the the uh, that we see having emerged because remember again this parable is a last day parable just before the return of the lord and notice as he enters into a conversation with this one guy it's very interesting what begins to be revealed in verse 24
0: can you read that brother jeremy okay. Yes, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not
2: strought. All
1: right, so what do we see when he comes before the Lord? Because it's very revealing, because remember, the Lord's returned, hasn't he? So this is a servant that's there at the end. This is the kind of servant we see at the end and because the Lord's come back. That's what his whole story is about, right? So the first thing he says, what does he say? He says, I knew thee, or I know thee. So out of his own mouth, he begins to establish or claim that he knows the Lord, that he's in relationship with God. So this this one with the one at the end of time is going to say, I know God. I know you, Lord. But what he says about the Lord is very reflective because he says, And I also know you're a hard man. Right? It's like saying you're stern. You're that's what the word hard means. It means you're you're a stern person. You expect a lot. In many ways we could say it's almost representative of Of how they teach the law, right? No man can perform the law. No man can obey the law. No man, right? That's how that's how they talk, right? right? But in Romans eight, right, or seven and eight, we're told that that the righteousness of the law is meant to be fulfilled in us through Christ in us, right? But this servant says his assessment of this kind of of gospel, if you will, is that it's hard, stern, and rough. And look what he says. He says. What he knows about him is this, is that you have reaped where you didn't sow and you gather where you have not strawed. You know what's interesting about that as I, I was researching this is what he's literally saying is I know you and I know your ways are hard. And what I assessed by that, because I see it, because reaping uh, represents the, the harvest, Right. That's what it means if you actually look up all the words. He's talking about the harvest at the end of the world or or a harvest expected from an individual life. And then he also right. says, a gathering where you have not straws. Uh, what that literally means is that wheat is separated from chaff. So what he's telling the Lord that he knows about him is that, that a harvest and a separation of wheat from flesh or chaff, if you will, uh what he's learned about him is that his master is able to do it without effort. Because he says, you have reaped where you didn't sow, and you have gathered or separated the wheat from the chaff where you didn't straw, where you exerted no effort, Lord. Do you understand what I'm showing you here? <laughs> what yeah, the Lord is showing, Right. This is the attitude of the one with the one talent. This is what he begins to say, I know you, which is what they claim, right? We know God. You know, and we know that he's his ways are hard and what I choose to focus on, what I think I'm seeing from him, he says, is that uh is that I learn from you, Lord, that I don't have to do anything because you don't. You don't right. gather Right. You you you're able to to exert a harvest without effort. Right. Because he's accusing him of what Uh, of reaping without sowing. Right. Mm
0: -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's accusing him of separating the wheat and the chaff where he hasn't exerted any effort where you haven't strawed. Right. You haven't ground it. And then the word straw literally means to take the wheat and the chaff and throw it in the air and separate the wheat from the chaff. And that's in essence what they tell us today. They tell us in this movement, in this message movement, that, that the harvest of our own personal life, in a sense, and the separating oh. of, of the wheat from the chaff in our own personal life, if you will, requires no effort on our part. And that's what God is saying, and that's what he knows about his God. That's what he's saying here. What I know about you, Lord, is that the harvest that you take doesn't require effort. And the separating of the wheat and the chaff, you don't even exert any effort in that either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is is that not what we're being told in this grace message at this end of time? That That God is the one who does the work, not me. So I don't really mm-hmm. have to do anything. I'll just take my talent and bury it in the earth. No effort is required on my part. And I learned it from you, God. <laughs> I don't know if you're mm. hearing what I'm telling you, right? <laughs> mm,
0: right. Any comments? Anything? Or you <laughs> think <laughs> Um It's interesting, Brother Marty. I don't know if there's a connection to it, but initially what God told Adam in the beginning was to when he put him in the Garden of Eden was to dress it and keep it, right? Yes. And then, but then after in chapter three of Genesis, he would tell him that he would have to, (laughs) from the sweat, right? What did he tell him? Uh, You know, from the sweat, you're going to have to, uh, you know, work now, labor. You know, initially, initially there was still work involved, but it was just to dress it and keep it, right? Yes. But after the fall, we see that there is a, uh a little bit more required of man. You know, I don't know if there's a connection there, Brother Marty,
2: but that's what well, I, was I think. Well I think where I would see
1: where still... I would see the connection there is only in this, is that in either state he was required to do something. Right?
0: Exactly. And that's my point. No, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. exactly my point. <laughs> he says in the beginning it was to dress him. there was still a labor involved, right? Absolutely. There was still a doing a doing of involved. You know, yeah. and, and and after it just became even more but but God has always required, that's my point is, from the beginning, God has always required something from man, right? Yes. And in yes. the beginning was to dress it and keep it. And that's what I was thinking about as you were talking right now in relation to what we're speaking about. Yes, and,
1: that, and that's good, and that's that's right. But in both instances, right, because what they'll say about Adam being out there toiling on the soil, right, to bring forth fruit, that that's law, that's works. You know, but but that's (laughs) that's not true because there was works and there was law within the garden itself before the fall. Right? Yes there was. Yes. (laughs) God expects remember what Solomon said, All things are full of labor, right? And and he, he talked about how the rain, you know, comes down on the mountains and then the snow happens on the mountains and the sun hits the snow and it begins to melt and turns into waterfalls and streams that gather into the rivers that pour into the oceans and it's regathered again and the cycle starts. But what he's trying to imply is everything is working. Everything is in motion. And so this idea that we come to God we get saved, and we are no longer required to do something is not true and that yes. is what Jesus is trying to say what what Where the grace people or the cross people go wrong is that they teach a a salvation that then ends right at the cross. but you see, right. there is nothing, and they're correct in this. There is nothing that we can do to earn our own salvation, that is, to become born again. It was done for us by Christ on right. the cross. In other words, he, he took our penalty, he paid the price of our sins, and, and I was buried with him and, and nailed to that cross with him. At least my sins and transgressions were nailed to, to the cross. When he rose from the dead, it proved that God accepted what happened on the cross. And if it was all done, then he would have just saved us and taken us home right there. But he didn't. Right. Before he left, he told his apostles, what, now go and do something, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it's not a a salvation free from works. Right. It's a salvation that is unto works. And that is what James was talking about. Right, because because I am no longer they, afraid. They're, they're
2: afraid, they're afraid, brother Marty, to uh, uh. because the fear is well, if you do something, you are adding or taking away mm. from what Jesus did at the cross, and <clears throat> you're saying that whatever you do, it, it, whatever He did is not sufficient, so you have to add to it, and and, yeah, and you hear that enough, you're gonna have people that are paralyzed spiritually. They won't pray because uh, they feel that that is works. They won't read the Bible uh, because they feel that that is works. And, and, and the truth, you know, what they're telling is like, you know, you have no moral responsibility. It's already finished and paid, um, you know, at the cross. All you have to do is just, you know, look to the cross um, and, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit will come and do the rest. Well, yes. No, no, that's not correct. The Holy Spirit is not called the doer. Right. You know, he's called the helper. You know, there's okay. still a responsibility okay. and a part you have to pay. The Bible mentions words like abstain. Yeah. Right? That's a responsibility act. You have Lean. to abstain <laughs> so that grace can come. You have to flee. Yes, you right. got to make decisions. You have to, you have to, you know, and we're talking about the, the, uh, uh, um, you know, the servant that, that that were given these talents, the servants that were given these talents, they had to do something with it, right? Yeah. There are spiritual laws that the law of Moses does not apply to, spiritual laws that we must do. Jesus spoke about those spiritual laws in Matthew chapter 5, and he said, yeah. whoever doesn't teach these laws, well, you're in big trouble. You have to teach the doing of these laws. They're not. They're not uh, from the Mosaic law. They are Of the kingdom of God, there's spiritual laws, and that's what we're talking about here. These are spiritual laws of the kingdom of God that every Christian must perform. Listen to the word I just said: must perform. Yes.
1: Okay. And that's that's good because, well, brother Jeremy, read verse 16 because that's kind of what that's exactly what brother Fernando was revealing there in verse 16 when it talks about the 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 one with the five talents. Look what he does. 25:16 Matthew
0: okay okay here we go then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents
1: all right now let's look at that because what we see here first of all in verse 16 is that what he has was given to him that's grace, right he received it yes our salvation is our grace we received it but in that salvation is the empowerment to do, right? Because he says he receives the talents, which is the substance, right? And, and then he he he's immediately set into motion. He was never meant to receive the talents and just hang out and do nothing. He received the talents and the receiving of it pushes him forward. He goes, he went and traded with the same that he received. And <laughs> oh my gosh! Now listen and then he he what he makes another five talents you can't you can't reproduce anything if you're stagnant and alone. See the gift of salvation began the process of of producing within us a harvest of a likeness of christ, a harvest where yeah. in that likeness being produced. It is the Spirit of God that separates the the wheat from the chaff, but it is an effort on my part. It is the erroneous thought by this this one who kept the one and didn't do anything, but he went and buried his talent in the earth. He comes and claims to know the Lord in verse 24, and what he says about the Lord is so revealing.
2: Right.
1: Because he says, right? He says, he says, I know that that your manner is stern and hard. But what I've also learned about you in his erroneous assessment of his master is that is that you reap where you haven't sown and you gather where you have not strawed. That's what he thinks. He claims to know him, and he's dissecting yeah. the attributes that he sees in his master, and his conclusion is that the harvest occurs without effort and the wheat is separated from the chaff without you doing anything that's his assessment and so he says when it says in verse 25 it says what he says i was afraid well that's kind of a mistranslation it can because the word afraid right away he, it 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 has in it the truth i was like i was afraid of course that that is what it means but when you actually dig into the word and you take it in the context of the story as Jesus is telling it, that's not what he was saying. He was, he, he was saying, I'm in awe of you. I reverence you. I venerate you. I worship you. I have reverential obedience towards you, and my obedience is manifested in my reverence and worship alone, but not in what I do. That's what he was saying to him you guys are awful quiet in this presbyterian church that's what i know you i know you don't you're not used to hearing it from this story but that's what he's saying so what does he do i was look it up you guys can look it up but that's literally what afraid means yes it means to be afraid but when you look at it and dig it down into the different depths and take it into the context of what he's saying here my worship, my awe, my my reverence of you, my reverential obedience, is actually manifested in my reverence alone, but not in what I do. That's why I went and hid my talent in the earth. I have energy, but only for one thing: to take what you gave me and do nothing with it. That's literally what you're saying. Because what I've learned about you, Lord, is that I don't have to do anything you are able to yeah. have a harvest without effort and you're able to separate the wheat from the chaff without anything so right, right? that's what he's saying and right. and i reflect i reflect my reverence of you by not doing anything either
0: <laughs> uh, was... go ahead no yeah. right, I've, I've never you know seen this 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 uh story like this, but it it, it makes sense. What 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 this grace doctrine has has created is lazy Christians. They no longer speak the Lord. They no longer read their word. That's what it is. And and, and, they, and, and and go ahead, brother. But that's what no, it has I was going to Yeah, you just
1: inspired me there because, and and that's what they say to, and they say they do it based on their knowledge of God, right? Because that's what this guy says. I know you. I get it, he says. I get it. I know you. Your ways are rough and tough. But I've seen a revelation in that, in that you harvest stuff without effort and you separate wheat and chaff without ever having to do anything. And I reverence you and I worship you. I'm in awe of you. That's what the word afraid literally means. And and it's enough for me to worship you and I show you my worship. By simply acknowledging how you do things which is without effort or doing anything, and so i'm taking right. my talent and I buried
0: it in the earth and in essence i've done your will yeah you know <laughs> you know i you know as, as as a pastor you you deal with a lot of people that come that are dealing with exactly this they're in these doctrines, the hyper grace, the message of the cross, and they're battling right. i mean with Very deep rooted condemnation. They're afraid to do anything, you know, because that's the way they've been taught. Yeah, you know, you know, as in in me and my spirit, I naturally I read the word, I pray, I don't feel that that's something. It's my duty, it's my joy, but it's my duty, you know. And so many people right now, they're because they're seeing the error of the doctrine, but but they still because it has so much truth in it, because it has some truth in it, right? It, it's good, you know, right. look to the cross, you know, and, you know, uh, don't, don't put, don't do, there's nothing you got to do. It's already been done for me. Yes, Jesus already did it for you. What we don't read, we always quote, you know, we're saved by grace, so not by works, so that no one will uh, um, uh, boast, right? But we never right. read the following, the following verse that says that we are his workmanship. And the way right. these people interpret that is, no, the Holy Spirit will do the works for you. No. err. Uh, that's absolutely wrong. <laughs> I'm Doc, you. We are vessels. It's yes. through us. Yes, it's through us. We are the vessels, right? Isn't yes. that what what Paul said that I, we have put this great right salvation in vessels? That, who who are the vessels? That's us. You
1: that's know, right. and, and,
0: and and because of that, but a lot of people are living in condemnation and in fear. You know, they don't even read their Bible because that's putting your faith in in, in your reading. I mean, come on, what what is it producing? And right, so I, right. I think that this is an excellent, excellent um, uh, day to begin with it because this is something that many many of our listeners may be dealing with it, not understanding the grace of God. You know, we we yeah. always speak about the grace of God. And there's just no sin too big, and and all of those things. Yes, but we never teach our kid our our, our our the, the people how to handle the grace of god yeah you know we are you know and how to how to perform how how that brings you know by our lives that we live you know it's not just a faith or, or the grace of god but it has to be in our lives it has to be lived you know so yes,
2: yeah. if anything actually, and i'll say this if anything you know uh we, we look at the old testament and the law of moses and, and you know it was uh, pretty pretty strict. But I think in grace we have even greater responsibility. That's good. Yes. Greater. The apostle The apostle Paul said that he said, you know, everything is expedient to me. I can everything is I can do everything, but but not you know not everything is you know. Uh, I, I have the freedom to do everything, but I, I have right. a responsibility with this grace, right? Yeah. To not become a stumbling block to somebody else, or worse, to that effect. So, yeah, it, it, we have more responsibility in grace. There was a time when God winked at sin. Yes, he does yes. not wink at it anymore. That's so right. There he, is a responsibility.
0: It, well, you know, there's a verse here what you just said, brother Fernando, found in Ephesians chapter 12 verse 14. Let me let me read verse 14 and verse 15 just to, you know, what you just said. He he tell the author of of, of Hebrews says, "Follow peace with all men." and holiness, right, without which no man shall see the Lord. Then he says this. He's talking to us. He says, look diligently. You you, you're, you, you have to handle this grace, lest any man fail of the grace of God. See, there's a the responsibility of how to handle this grace amongst people. He says, look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So that right there, what you and just I- said, Brother Fernando
1: yeah and i think that that <laughs> the one of the hardest things to be understood uh for those who go down that road right with that type of teaching which is what this guy with the one talent is saying again let's emphasize that this. this story that jesus is giving is reflecting three different kinds of individuals that will be uh alive at his second coming you know and and, and they're all called his servants but this particular one Has evolved into a sort of thinking about his Lord that actually is destructive, not only to his own faith, because he'll end up being cast into outer darkness, but to those around him. And where they dominate people with this false doctrine is that they say and completely continue to keep the focus on one's salvation. That is how I get into heaven. And where they where they entrap people is that they, they completely keep them uh, focusing on the place of the judgment rather than the place of the victory. The victory is not in the cross by itself. The victory is in the empty right. tomb because that's what right. Paul even starts out in Romans chapter 1 when he says that Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God, not from the cross but not by God. And <laughs> he says he was declared to be the son of God with power, right? Uh, by the eternal spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. That is yes. it. And so rather than spending a lifetime of bondage to your efforts and your your victories and defeats in in trying to attain salvation, he is basically saying, Jesus has already done that for you. So now go forth in the freedom of that knowledge as the Spirit of God continues to reveal it to you and go do what you must do not to be saved but to become that profitable servant, as you said earlier, for the Holy Spirit is flowing through you. If you think that God gave you the Holy Spirit so you could sit idle and do absolutely nothing and have no fruit, then you have completely taken out the entire scripture i mean that's what it's all about you know in this we see the spirit of god in the beginning moving right <laughs> moving forward uh you know in the beginning god creates he's doing something right uh in in yes. verse two the spirit of god is moving on the face of the water uh, god is forming the light i mean all everything is active and meant to be moving forward where the hyper grace and cross people get off is they stay focused on earning their way to heaven or not earning their way to heaven and so they stay stagnant and 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 then they cut off the understanding of the people of what the holy spirit was given to us for that we might bear right. fruit that's what Jesus was saying in first John, yeah. in the gospel of John 15 right he said my father is the husbandman he says i am the true vine and he says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, my father's going to take it away. He says, and every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it for what purpose? To bear more fruit. <laughs> right? Now he says, the only way that's going to actually happen for you and understand the purging process is that you have to abide in me. And then he says, and my words abide in you. How are you going to possibly have his words abiding in you if you never pray, you never study, because you're afraid you're, you're, in, you're in works? Quit being right. stupid. It's obvious what the Lord says. But right. all of these things are done as a measure of control, of leadership over the people, making people predominantly dependent upon their message, or in the hyper-grace sense, making them free to just live any way they want
2: exactly absolutely
1: incorrect right so here we yeah. see how does the how does the lord respond to this guy he says in verse 26 the lord says says unto him he calls him two things he says you're wicked and you're slothful the word wicked very very interesting what he says to him the word wicked literally means an evil or bad influence on other people <laughs> that's what he was saying oh. to him He says, you know what, this whole thinking that you don't have to do anything, and you you think you know me, eh, you know, that that I can have a harvest in your life or or, or use you to bring forth the harvest or separate the wheat from the chaff, speaking of our personal walk with him, without any effort. He says, you know what, you're an evil and bad influence on other people. (laughs) That's what he did. (laughs) And that's what they've done. They've become an evil influence. Because when you look, and, and I don't want to get into details here, but you know my history and where I've been and people I've walked with, right? And some of these people are, are the ones purporting this message. You look at, at their congregations, and the people are miserable. They're bound. They excuse sin when they fall. They're dealing with all kinds of fleshly things. They're, they're, they're bad. The, the, the doctrine itself is a bad influence it's 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 an it's a bad influence. That's what he says about this one servant at the end of time. He says, you know what? You're a bad influence. You're a wicked servant. And then he says this, you're slothful. And that literally means to hesitate, to delay, to be sluggish or to be lazy. So all of that is what the Lord is saying. You're not only a bad influence on other people, he says, you hesitate and you delay because you're lazy. The truth of the matter is, you really don't want to exert the effort by the spirit that I've given to dwell in you to produce the fruit that I caused you to produce. And so you've created this whole analysis of me and my ways. that, in essence, all it has done is cause you to become a bad influence on others and reproduce a spiritual laziness and hesitation in those that you affect. That's what he's saying to him. He says, oh, you know me, huh? I, I reap where I didn't sow, and I gather where I have it strawed. Uh he, he he then clarifies to him what he's always expected of him in verse 27. He said, you should have put my money to the exchangers. In other words, if you don't want
0: to do anything,
1: you still have to do something. You should have done something. Do you
0: see it? Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Now. What does he do? He buries his talent in the earth. In essence, he's taken what God gave him and turned it into death, right? He buries it. Oh. Brother Jeremy, turn over to – and then when he digs it up, what does he do? He brings the same one thing, and it's still one thing. Turn over to the book of James and read what James says about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> What chapter? Chapter 2.
1: Remember mm-hmm. what he does? He he <laughs> he digs it up and he brings it to him. So it's one thing when he receives it, and it's the same thing when he gives it back. But he dug in the earth and buries it. He had a little miniature funeral for it until the Lord came back, right? I mean, that's basically what he did.
0: <laughs>
1: and look at what James says in verse 17. What does he say?
0: Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being what? alone. It's alone. Yeah. Because it's alone. Right.
1: And and that's what he did, right? He brought back that one talent alone. Because his faith was dead. He had no works. And as a result, he's called a bad influence on others. And the truth of the matter is he digs deeper and says, You know what? Truth is you're just lazy. That's really what it is. You don't want to do nothing. You don't want to exert any effort to produce a harvest. Uh, So don't try and and, and claim that you know me and that you know how to assess my ways by making an excuse for yourself to actually do nothing and yet want to reap the benefits of my kingdom, which I'm bringing back for you and giving to my profitable servants. James said, if you have not worked your faith is dead because it stays by itself. That's what Jesus was trying to say when we talked way back in March or mid-April when he came into Jerusalem, remember, uh, on the Passover. And they, they were celebrating both the Passover and the, waving the palm branches, symbolic of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Greeks come to him and they're all excited. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. A grain what, has to fall into the earth and die. Otherwise, it abides alone, Right. He says, but if it, if, it, if it dies, it'll spring forth and bear much fruit. So he shows us forth the principle of God is that he doesn't want a single bear of grain to be returned to him. He's expecting you to do something, and he's going to bring us into account when he returns and says, what have you done with the, with the Spirit I gave to you, my Holy Spirit? What did you do? Did you preach the gospel? Do you have anything to show for it? I mean, I hung on the mm. cross, I bled, I died, I took your penalty, so you didn't have to worry about being saved no more. But I didn't call you to sit on your spiritual couch and eat your spiritual Lay's potato chips and watch your spiritual Netflix and do nothing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm coming right. back mm-hmm. here requiring something of you. Now, where is it? You can't use this excuse that, that you were worried that, I was, that, that you were in, in works you know, trying to justify yourself before me. No, 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 no. I paid that price for you, but I do require some. I freed you so you could be productive. That's what he was saying. And James says, okay, if your faith doesn't have any works, it's dead. You should have done something, Jesus told him right in Matthew 27, 25. So the penalty's steep, right? In verse 28 through 30, he, he we're told in Matthew 25:28 through 30, he's an unprofitable servant. He's bound hand and foot and he's cast into outer darkness. This is frightening. Right. <laughs> and I, and, I, and, and I'm, I know I'm making a lot of, some of you out there are mad, you know, because of what we're saying, but I don't really care. Great. Right. Because, because uh, like one of the men I used to know used to say, you didn't, you didn't sign my paycheck. Right. <laughs> you're, not, you're not my <laughs> boss. And And if I don't warn you, if I don't warn you that God is – if now more than ever, remember, again, this story that Jesus is giving us is a story in connection with the second coming of the Lord. And so mm-hmm. we, and we
2: – And, Brother Marty, um I'll say this uh, just for the people to pay attention to. Um, we seem to isolate the the teachings of the Apostle Paul as – the the full gospel what mm-hmm. the apostle Paul taught is the full gospel. We have to be very careful with that because we can elevate the apostle's teaching to a level that that's higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so, right. Uh there's people that have gone on to say, well, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, so whatever he said was pre-cross. Right? <laughs> and, right. and 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 so, you know, he he was still under the old covenant so to speak. No 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 he he is the old and the new right he is the old and the new covenant so we have Pauline. to make sure that that what we 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 get or glean from the apostles teachings in particular the apostle paul because that's all these preachers seem to be mentioning uh, right. that it echoes what jesus said we have to make sure that what the apostles are writing is is in connection with what Jesus said, and that's what we're, that's what we're talking about here. Jesus, Jesus is the one that's giving the strict orders here and instructions, right? To produce so and we do ha- something, yeah, to produce, <laughs> to produce and do something, correct? So right? we have to take heed. We have to take heed to what's being said in the Word. So I just want to and put brother, that forth because
1: man, no, that's that's really good. And brother, we we can't say that what you just said. I've heard them say those things too about. Well, that was all before he went to the cross. Okay. Well, this story is not before he went to the cross because this is talking about when he returns and he's sending exactly. his angels to gather his people. So don't tell me right. this is before the cross. Yeah. He's telling us, hey, when I come back, I'm going to expect something. Remember, he starts the parable out in Matthew 25:14 as a man. When he returns, he's the king, Right. <laughs> so he's basically saying, I'm going to go away, but when I come back, I'm the king of glory, right? And, and and the king of glory is expecting something. I've given you everything. I've done everything for you. I've made a way. I, I I've created a pathway for you to be productive members of my father's house. I mean, that's literally what he's saying. You've been freed under the bondage of being controlled by the slavery of a different master. I paid the price to set you free, and my Father delivered you from that power of darkness and put you in my kingdom. And now go into all the world and, and, and bear much fruit. That's what he said in, in the last supper, right? I want you to bear much fruit. This is how my Father is glorified, he said, that you would go and do something. And so so those who say such things, they're they're devils, and and they're being controlled by a false spirit preaching a false doctrine. And, and that's why James, you know, he said, look, man, you say you believe. He said, even the devil believes. That don't mean nothing. He says, you show mm-hmm. me your faith. He goes on to say, right, in verse 18, he says, mm-hmm. yeah, in James two eighteen, he says, yeah, a man may say that, that you have faith and I have works, but you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, what I truly believe will be demonstrated in how I live my life, and what i produce for the kingdom of heaven and he says you believe that there's one god he goes that's a good that's good that you have faith and believe in one god he says but so do the devils believe in him and they tremble and will you uh, uh and wilt thou know O empty vain man that faith without works is dead and then he uses abraham the father of faith right he uses him as an example okay. he says was not abraham our father justified by what he did, by his works, when he had offered Isaac on the altar. So don't you see how that faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. And that's right. what he's talking about. And and so so this is what I felt the Spirit of God was telling us today. Look, you tell my people that it's time to get to work and those of you who've been trapped in a camp of, of, of half truths and, and gospel manipulation, it's time for you to come out. You're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. Because you had the same Bible, the same Holy Spirit, the same Word of God that everybody else has accessible to them here in this country of ours. And so we need to wake up to this fact. It is a joy to go and work for the Lord. It's not a bondage. You're not working to be Perfect. saved. You're already saved. He already paid the price. But he expects something from you. And 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 listen. <laughs> this is serious business because this blows a lot of doctrine uh, false doctrine out of the water, you know, because he's coming back. And he's talking to his servants, those that are in his house. And if you haven't produced then your reward is something you don't want to even comprehend cast him into outer darkness is what he said where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and then he talks about sending his angels separating the nations separating the sheep from the goats on and on and on and so he requires something of us and remember this guy this one with the one talent he he reproduced the same one that was given him is the same one he brought back to God and James is saying that that is proof that he was dead and that he had no production in his life because he says faith without works is dead because it abides by itself and so the penalty is steep but i want to learn from the word of God for those of you who are still not convinced that we have to do something that all you got to do is believe in the quote-unquote finished work yes for your salvation but paul goes on this incredible list in hebrews chapter 11 and i wrote him down this morning because i really got to shout and going wow man this is awesome listen to this he said Mm -hmm. this to us he said by faith abel offered a lamb right he had to do something he offered a lamb by faith Mm -hmm. enoch had a testimony what that he walked with god and pleased god so he's walking he's doing something by faith abraham When he received his call, he went out. It required action. He obeyed. And by faith, he offered Isaac. He offered Isaac. That's what James was just talking about. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, he sprinkled the blood of the Passover. You had to slay the lamb. You had to apply the blood. They're doing something. Their faith proved by what they did that they had faith or that what they did proved that they had faith. By faith, Israel, check this out. He, he says he walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, right? Can you imagine right. God parking right. the Red Sea and said, I just believe, I just believe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, Right, right. They had to start walking or God would have just let that water come down and they would have been slaughtered, right? They had to do something. They still had to walk forward. By faith, Israel walked around those Jericho walls, right? Seven days they walked around. They blew the trumpets, the shofars. They had to blow those trumpets, uh, and they had to shout. All of that was required before the walls would come down. So they had to do something. By faith, Rahab, she hid the spies, right? She hid them. And then then later, she had to hang a scarlet thread from her window. She had to do something to participate as a reflection that what was told her, she believed. So don't tell me, like mm-hmm. James said, that you believe and it's enough. Because what's reflected in your life is a compromised life, a sad life, a, a vexed life, no victory in your life, though you claim to have it. But when you dig deeper, what Jesus says is you've become a bad influence, a wicked and a lazy servant. Oh. I say Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, King David, Samuel, he says, they subdued kingdoms. They whacked valiant yeah. in fight, right? They, 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 they put to flight the armies of, of strangers and aliens. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, and they escaped the edge of the sword. Yeah. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 38, right, of whom the world was not worthy. And they obtained a good report. That's what Jesus said to his servants, right? They obtained a good report of the Lord. He said, well done, thou what? Good and faithful servant. But the Bible goes on in verse 40 to tell us, right? We have a fellowship with them. In verse 40 of of, of Hebrews 11, it, it says that they, without us, couldn't be perfected, right? God having provided a better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. We're part of a of a long fellowship, and he gives this whole hall of fame of faith and works, which pr- proved that they had faith, yeah.
0: right? uh to well, say, brother Marty, yes. All those words that you that you so uh, that you described have one thing in common. The last thing I learned is that they're called verbs. A verb I was taught in school is an action. <laughs> that's good, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what they are. Yeah. Uh, they're all verbs that you describe as an action taken by the people that you mentioned.
1: Yes. That's excellent, <laughs> brother. And, 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 and that's what he's saying. Go into all the world. You know, he says, carry in Jerusalem until you be endued with yeah. power from on high.
2: Then he says,
1: you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea, Samaria, uh, in in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How do you think they got to Judea? How did they get to Samaria? How did they get to the uttermost parts of the earth? They had to do something. (laughs) right? He gave them a (laughs) command to do something, not to just be stagnant and holding on to the end. And, And Brother Fernando, do you have your Bible? Yes. Get over to Revelation 22 and we'll close with this. Wow. We'll sum it up. Revelation, Revelation 22. 22. Yeah, l- l- look at what he says in verse 12 and 13. Read that to us.
2: Uh, it says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am <laughs> Alpha stuff. and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Yes. Blessed are they that do his commandments. That do. That they may have right, right. That they may have the have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city.
0: Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: So, so what we, that's what he's saying, right? I'm coming that's that that's that parable that he gave right that we're reading right he returns and he has rewards you know here's another here here uh it, it be made ruler over much enter into the glory of your lord the one with the two turns them into another two he says well done good and faithful servant enter into the to the, to the glory of your Lord. And here's some more responsibility. Cause, cause when we get to heaven, brother, we're not going to be sitting around eating chocolates, playing hearts on clouds. Right. I mean, there's a whole bunch <laughs> of really cool stuff ahead of us and he's looking for workers. Come on. somebody. If you've been faithful in little, he says here on the earth, man, I'm going to make you a ruler over much. I've got a whole wonderful multi-dimensional universe of expression that is yet to come in the multiple ages so get to work here and train and let my spirit cause you to become a productive thing a beautiful branch bearing much fruit for the glory of my father and when i come back he says my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be and like brother fernando said blessed are they that do his commandments. So if you're going to take issue with what we're talking about today, take it up with the Lord. Because otherwise you're going to sound like that dude who's, who's a bad influence on other people and really it's a covering for spiritual laziness and slothfulness. That's what the Lord said. Anybody have any other ideas?
2: Um, yeah, I was looking at uh, Matthew 5. You know, the question is, was the Lord anti-law? Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not, right? He, 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 he said this, um, verse 16, Matthew 5, he said, Let your light so shine before men. That's your works. Yes. Right? That's what he's talking about, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How yeah. else? How else will people know you're a child of God? But through works, yeah. Right. The the notice the 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 book the Pentecostals like to preach a lot about the book of Acts. It's the book of actions of doing. <laughs> That's right. right. The acts of the apostles. Right. The, yeah. The, the, the acts. acts of the apostles.
0: <laughs> you know. It, 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 think
2: yeah. about that now. Yeah. And yeah. it says, "Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets." I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And, and yes, we see how true. this great hyper grace m- message or preachers preach on the Old Testament and the law. You know, it, it, <laughs> the way they, they disrespect those things is, is incredible. But anyway, it says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, right? One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. Whosoever Therefore, shall break one of these least commandments, or not do them, and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever Mm. shall do and teach Mm. them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Listen to the listener, and I'll leave you with this. Never be afraid to obey whatever the Bible says. Amen. Never be afraid to obey or do what the Bible says. It's what his commands are. Don't don't say, well, if I do it, no, it's obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience yes. is what the Lord desires. Obedience. You can never go wrong with obedience. Yes. All right. So I want I want don't live in fear. Well, if I pray too much, if I fast, or if I read my Bible, no, no, that's nonsense. You obey God's word. If we're going to err on obedience, then let's do that. And when we see him in heaven, we can look him him in the face and say, Lord, I did what your word said. I did it. And I guarantee you, he'll call you faithful. Amen? Amen. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: And to all our audience, remember this, and I said it, I don't know how many podcasts ago, I got a tremendous revelation. <laughs> uh, the problem with people is not that they read their word too much or pray too much. Trust me on this one. Their problem is that they don't read it or pray. <laughs> That's the <laughs> problem, right? You you know, what saying, it's not how much you read. Well, that, well, No, people don't read their Bible too much. Most people don't read their Bible too much or pray too much. It's that they lack that uh, type of relationship with the Lord. So that's what I would say. That's good. Praise God. Any anything else, my brothers? Yeah. Yeah, just one close. last thing, before,
1: as we close, uh, yeah. I, I want to just uh, in Matthew twenty-five, in case yes. people are saying, "Well, what what is it? I mean, what do I do that?" And and he says it to to them. Remember, uh, let me just read it real quick. <laughs> They'll say, uh, and he shall say uh, to them, uh, Then shall the king say unto them, Matthew twenty five thirty four, uh, Sit on my right hand, come, blessed ye of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he begins to reveal what he calls uh, increasing talents. Right? He says, When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. Uh, when I was in prison, you came to me. Then shall the righteous say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you like a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And and, and when did we uh, see you sick or in prison and, and come visit you? And Jesus said, The king, he says. Notice he's not a man anymore that traveled into the far country. He returns as the king. And he says, the king shall answer and say unto them, truly I say unto you, in so much as you have done it unto one of these, the least of my brothers, you shall have done it unto me. Then he shall say also unto them on the left hand side, those unprofitable servants, unproductive servants, depart from me. You cursed of uh, and, and into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's some heavy stuff right there. But listen, uh, yeah. my my point is this. He says, "You want to know how, what I expect? Feed feed the hungry, clothe the naked. I mean, the basics of the gospel is what he's talking about right there. And he says he says that that your reward is is in that that you reflect his character, and when you've done it under one of these, the least of his children, you've done it unto him." Do not like brother fernando said it really beautifully earlier don't think that what the bible tells you to do something and you get all all afraid and all bound by it uh don't be afraid of that that's god calling us he's calling us unto yeah. good works right unto good works yes. uh, that's what he said in 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 uh, philippians i believe it is where he said he said this remember he said uh I would that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Don't be afraid and don't let this false doctrine hem you in and take away the joy of working for the Lord. Your salvation is an established fact. Quit worrying about it. As a matter of fact, you're bound to it if that's all you're worried about, of losing your salvation because you're praying, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. It's 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 a lie, and it's meant to control. And you'll hear from all those camps, right? you got to listen to what I say. You can't really listen to anybody else but me. Well, that ought to be your first indication. These guys are off their rocker, man. <laughs> Jesus yeah. gave us the Holy Spirit, gave us his word. He saved us. From another kingdom, he purchased us with his blood, he's brought us into his house, and now he says, Go and bear much fruit that my Father may be glorified. Rejoice in that, because as we do what the Lord empowers us to do, there is such a fabulous life that waits for you as you see God active in everything that you do. Those who don't understand that, they live miserable, bound lives to doctrines of men and and they're and they're overlorded. By a whole bunch of people that are going to be held accountable for what they did, for they became bad influences and really produced nothing but slothful and lazy,
0: anti-spiritual people.
2: That's all I got to say today. <laughs> <Amen>.
0: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I, I think this this teaching is uh, is so needed in this time. Uh, really, because at one point, at least I speak to myself, for myself, I know I was, you know, I, I dealt with condemnation about these things, you know, uh, because I, I wasn't understanding. I thought it was just faith in an object, faith in the object, right? Cross, the cross until like, I, the Lord opened up my eyes and I thank God to this truth. Amen. And, uh, God doesn't call lazy people. That's why he always warns against slothfulness. Wake up from yeah. your sleep. The yeah. people of God are laboring and praying, and that's the way we want him to find us, laboring and and, and and doing what he's called us to do in this hour. We pray that you have been blessed today and that you have a good rest of your day. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, and we hope that you can join us tomorrow for another uh, study in the Word. Amen. God bless you, Amen. and keep looking up.